Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with the show for every team in LA and so much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and fittingly, for episode 49 of the Everything USC podcast, I welcome back to the show the former Super Bowl champion with the San Francisco 49ers and USC Trojan offensive lineman Derek Deese, who was on before to preview the football season and week one game against San Jose State with me. Derek, thanks for returning to the Everything USC podcast to now wrap up the season with me. Uh, No problem. Thanks for having me back. And of course, if you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn, or you can go right to the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, find and follow me on Twitter, at NaraWangSports, N-A-R-A. W-E-N-G Sports. Derek, if the people want to reach out to you on social media, where can they find you? At Derek underscore Deese on Twitter and on Instagram, it's just Derek Deese. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. If there was a more fitting way for the 2021 USC football season to end than with the Trojans looking terrible in a meaningless late-night game that had been rescheduled due to COVID issues, resulting in a 24-14 loss to the California Golden Bears in Berkeley, I can't think of one. In typical Trojans fashion this year, a winnable game was lost due to... The usual combination of critical penalties, turnovers, missed field goals, and poor clock management. There were numerous players who didn't even play in the game, including Drake Jackson and Chris Steele on the defensive side of things, and Gary Bryant Jr. and Keontae Ingram on the offense. Parker Lewis began on the first drive of the game by missing a 51-yard field goal after the drive stalled for USC, and... After Cal got a field goal, USC came back, took a 7-3 lead in the second quarter on Kyle Ford's 45-yard touchdown catch from Jackson Dart, but then immediately USC allows Cal to go 79 yards on eight plays on the next possession, finishing with a one-yard TD run by Christopher Brooks to take the 10-7 lead, and the Golden Bears would never trail again. Less than a minute 
after that Brooks touchdown, Elijah Hicks forced USC running back Darwin Barlow to fumble, and Trey Pastor recovered and returned it 55 yards for a Cal touchdown. USC would take its next drive into Cal territory again, but with under a minute to go in the first half, the Trojans run the ball with Vivai Malapai on a second and 10 at the Cal 31. And instead of calling timeout to set up a critical third down play, they hurriedly just run a play where Dart gets pressured and throws incomplete. Lewis then comes in and misses his second field goal of the game, this time from 43 yards out with 17 seconds left in the half. Late in the third quarter, with the Trojans at the Cal 13-yard line, Dart scrambles to his right on second and 12 and lowers his head as he's hit by both Josh Drayden and Femi Oladejo and gets knocked out, literally, and is helped woozily across the field back to the USC sideline and would not return to the game. So the other true freshman quarterback for USC, Miller Moss, enters for his first action and completes an 8-yard pass to Malapai to set up a 4th and 2 from the 3-yard line. But the snap on 4th down hits the tight end Eric Cromenhoek, who is going in motion. He picks it up, gets no gain, and yet another USC drive stalls out. And then the following Trojans drive would again finish inside the Cal 10-yard line when Moss gets sacked, fumbles, and the Golden Bears turn it into another drive, ending with a Brooks touchdown run. Moss would get his first career touchdown pass to KD Nixon late in the fourth quarter, but too little, too late, and the final score, 24-14 for Cal. Again, both teams had no shot at going to a bowl, regardless of what happened in this game, but you'd still want to see a better ending for a season, especially with a new coach looking on. We're going to get to him in just a little bit. But Derek Deese, what can you say about the way this season ended for USC? It just shows that, you know, how the season went from the very beginning. You know, you got a guy at the head of your program and everyone's talking about maybe he shouldn't be there. Maybe he shouldn't be around. They should have replaced him. And then all of a sudden that happens. And it happens in midseason, which now everyone's saying, well, why didn't that happen before the season started? And you have all these now, these kids that have been buying into a certain program, thinking it's going to go a certain way. Their leader's now gone. Now all of a sudden they have to adjust and they have to just still play football. They understand that the guy that they, you know, they signed with and they were believing in is no longer there. Who's going to be the new guy? You know, is Aram guy going to be the new guy? Is it going to be somebody else? Is it going to be somebody who's already there? Is it going to be somebody who's coming from the outside? Which everyone that's a fan, everyone that should have been uh, an alumni, everybody kind of like they weren't going to hire within. It had to be outside and it had to be a big name. And so now all of a sudden, you know, you get towards the end of the season and now it's, it's a lot about pride and about, about yourself and playing and understanding. And then you're hearing rumors, you know, how many guys are still going to be here when the new guy gets here? Now that they've got the new guy, they're hearing rumors that, hey, he's going to get rid of some of these guys. Some of these that have been touted as five stars and four stars, they're not going to be, they're going to be asked, you know, hey, you might want to transfer, you know, but our system, those kind of things. And so these kids just don't know. A lot of times that's what separates a great football player from just an average football player is because you, you have to just go out and play regardless of what's going on off the field. You know what I'm saying? And those are the things that become difficult. And so guys, I don't think they separated themselves. I don't think they played the game 
really caring about the game itself. And I think when you look at it, the output that they put on the field, it kind of showed that. So it wasn't a surprise to me that it turned out this way. You know, you're getting tell over about how are you guys losing the cow? And this is I was like, hey, look, the season's over. You know, these kids have they've packed this in. And um, you can look and see when you had certain guys not playing, didn't play, didn't care. And so it, the best thing I can say about this is that it's over. And now let's move forward and get into this new era of football that's coming to SC. I think everyone is happy that this season is over for USC football. And you would have hoped that this final game, a makeup game, a chance to play a rival in Cal that they didn't get to play the year before and that you're auditioning, right? I mean, you're auditioning whether it's for your new coach or if you're going to go into the transfer portal for all the other coaches out there for any possible programs you want to go to. And that's partly why I think everyone is just like, well, you know what? You would think that maybe they would be motivated to play better and you go out there, you see that a bunch of guys didn't suit up, didn't make the trip up north, and then the actual result is again very underwhelming for USC. I mean, they would finish 4 and 8 on the season, 3 and 6 in the Pac-12 conference. The wins were the opener against San Jose State, Washington State, Colorado, and Arizona, the losses to Stanford, Oregon State, Utah, Notre Dame, Arizona State, UCLA, BYU, and Cal. And again, this season when we talked going in previewing that San Jose State game and the SC season to come, the expectations were higher. I mean, you thought that they had a chance to maybe, if everything broke well, contend for the conference title, which might put them into position to make the college football playoff. I thought for sure that they would be better than this. I had them being second place in the Pac-12 South. I believe you had them going to the Pac-12 conference title game. But either way, that's a team that's winning nine games, at least, in the season. And to only win four, how does that happen? The expectations were so much higher than this. What happened to this team? Well, I think, like I said, once you come into the season and you have a, a leader who's, you know, he sees it one way, and then all of a sudden there's a stirrup and the top guy is gone. At this, it's just do or die. It's get through the season, figure out what's going to happen. I think you can also say that a lot of the pieces that people were talking about at SC being the top pieces, they weren't really the top pieces or they're not the top pieces and they're not that system that they're running. You can't really change the system on the go. Extremely difficult. They kind of have to like change the percentages of it. (laughs) So if you have one system in place and that's what they've been practicing and that's what they went through spring and that's what they went through summer with, you don't just start a season, play two or three games into it. And then all of a sudden say, Oh, by the way, now we're going to change and go into something completely different. It doesn't really work like that because there's no practice. There's no gelling with it that way. And I think when you start looking at certain things and we talked about the off the line, I think when we talked to San Jose state and I think you have to look at the San Jose state game and remember, how many sacks occurred from San Jose State against SC? You know, it's quite a bit. And the other way around, it didn't work. You know, it's not like SC was getting to the quarterback in that game. And I think that kind of was like a telltale sign from the beginning for me because the trenches is where games are won. And that's never going to change in football. If you're not pushing guys and you're not, you know, pushing guys forward, pushing guys back, 
you're not winning games. And that's just the way it is. And that those D lines have to be pushing back and the offensive line has to be pushing forward. And you didn't see that enough when it came to SC football this year and even in the years past. But, you know, this year for sure you didn't see it. And they had a new guy as the O-line coach. And so had it gotten better at one point? I think it did. Like I said before, I, didn't, I, don't not, I wasn't sure why the offensive line coach was changed from last year to this year. But if that was a change that was made, I think, like I said, I think that was just a way of helping keeping his job. And so the players were the players. That's all it is. And it's just whoever had those players, you got to figure out how to make those players and get the best out of them. You know, my biggest problem, I think, when I saw the Cal game was, like you said, was the number of players that didn't travel. <laughs> the number of players that didn't go. I think that becomes a terrible thing for football all the way around. You know, I, I have a problem with guys not finishing with their teams, and I have a problem with guys that don't make the last game or the last trip, or even guys that don't play in the bowl games I have problems with. I just think that, you know, if your team makes it to a bowl game, you, you owe it to your team. You know, you wouldn't be who you were as a player and be who you were scouting-wise for the next level without your team, and you owe it to your team to finish out strong. And so guys that just shut it down, I really, really have no real respect for him. In the end, do you think SC made the right decision to fire Helton when it did? No, I don't. Like I said, I think if, if you were going to get rid of him, you get rid of him at the beginning of the season. If you're going to ride with him, then you just ride this out. And you ride it out, and wherever, wherever it ends up is where it ends up. And then if you are not happy with the results, now understand this, he still could have had nine wins this year made it to the uh, Pac-12 championship and lost, and you still could have gotten rid of him. Would you have looked maybe a little crazy trying to do that? Yeah, maybe. But your expectation wasn't to get there. Your expectation was to win it. Your expectation is not to be a bold participant or just in the Rose Bowl. It's really to win a national championship, and wherever that takes you is where it takes you. So if you're not happy with the outcome of your season, it's okay. You know, I've been part of organizations when I played with the Niners. You knew you were making the playoffs. That's not good enough. You're going to make it. We're going to win enough games to get there. That's, that's not good enough. For some teams, that might be fine. For the Niners, it wasn't. If, if you didn't win a Super Bowl, they don't care if you go 14-2. and two. You can go 14-2, and two, get to the playoffs. You can get the NFC Championship game. If you don't win the Super Bowl, guess what? It's a failed season. And that's just the way that is. SC can have that in them. You know what I mean? That's what their expectations are. Their expectations are extremely high. They've always been extremely high. So if you're not happy with the outcome of the season at the very end, then that's when you just get rid of them. Because at that point, you can move forward. You didn't get what you wanted. Your expectations were this. I remember hearing that, you know, hey, look, the AD says he gave the football program everything that they needed and more. Whatever they asked for, they got. So his expectation was going to be higher than it had been in the past. And, I, and he wasn't happy where they were when they decided to get rid of Clay. But my problem is, is once you got rid of Clay in the middle of the season, the rest of that season, you have to look at it as kind of lost. I mean, you can hope and wish and wish and hope all you want to that they were going to win all these games coming out the end. But it just wasn't going to happen that way. I think that if you wanted to get rid of them, you got rid of them before the season started, like in spring, and let somebody else come in. Or at the end of last season, I would say, you know, and so they, they have a spring and they have a summer and they move forward. If you decided you were going to just ride out with them, 
then once he went through spring and summer and the first part of the season started, then you just you finish it and you just tell him it's over. You know, I think you do kind of similar what happened with LSU. They knew at a certain point, you know, but they finished it all out. And yeah, he won't coach the bowl game, but I mean, that's fine. There's no problem with that. He doesn't coach the bowl game. They have a new coach already in place, ready to go. And just let him know, hey, no hard feelings. We can care how the season ends, but we're parting ways. It's a business, you know, but you also have to understand it's a business that can be handled differently. And I think you would have had a couple of more wins in there, you know, had that happened that way, maybe. Definitely would have won at the end, <laughs> the last game for sure. I just don't see them, especially players that were fighting for Clay, I don't see them not playing that last game for him, you know, trying to send him out with a victory. Yeah. So I don't think it was handled for it. And this 2021 season was so rough for the USC Trojans that even the one real bright spot for the team, wide receiver Drake London, who this week was named the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year despite only playing in eight games because he broke his ankle scoring a touchdown in the Arizona game and finished the season with 88 catches. 1,084 yards and seven touchdowns in just those eight games. And then USC, of course, then did not win a game the rest of the season after Drake London's injury. So even that one real bright spot for USC was marred by the fact that he got hurt and couldn't play the last four games of the season. And now he is going to be turning pro. Where do you see Drake London's pro prospects and how good was he at USC? I think he was a great coach. And, you know, obviously, I think when you look at what he had accomplished, I think he was on his way to showing that he was definitely one of the top receivers in the country. You know, once he got hurt, I figured a guy of his caliber wouldn't return for another season just to take another wrist at injury. But he showed what he could do up to the point of where he got hurt. And so I think, you know, the top 10 definitely in receivers in the country. I think he'll be a commodity for whoever grabs him. He's more of a possession type, and he has a little bit of beat. So I think you can look at him as, as being drafted pretty high. So the final thing to wrap up for the 2021 football season is how I did in my predictions against the guests all year. And the last guest from the previous show was the Cal alum and ESPN and Pac-12 Network play-by-play broadcaster Roxy Bernstein. And since I had a five-point lead on my guest going into the week, we decided to make it a double points week so that if Roxy were to sweep the predictions, he could give the guests a win over me on the season. But in the players that we believed in, I took Vavai Malapai and he went with Gary Bryant Jr., not knowing that Bryant would be one of those players who would not be in the game. So because of that, Malapai with the 18 carries, 107 yards, had a good game. And Gary Bryant Jr. with the DNP, that gave me the win on the players we believe in. Roxy did get the score and winner correct. At least he was closer than me because he picked 30 to 20 Cal. I had 30 27 Cal, the final score, a 10 point margin of 24 14. So Roxy took that. And then in the prop bet, the final Nara's no doubter for the week was that USC would have 400 yards of total offense. And they just did reach that with 409 total yards, 265 in the air, 144 on the ground. Roxy's thievery 
was that Cal would have three takeaways on the game, and they only came up with the two fumble recoveries. One did go for a touchdown, so I got the win on the prop bet. So with the double points, I take the week 4-2 over Roxy, and the final score on the season, 18 for Nara, 11 for the guests, and four ties. So Derek, unfortunately, you and all the other guests, I managed to defeat this year. One thing that I actually was able to claim out of this USC football season that worked out. So that's the final tally for the predictions. It started out with me beating you 2-1 on the first week, and it ends with essentially a 2-1, but double the points, 4-2 on the final week. So I'd like to thank all the guests for playing the predictions game with me, but I defend my title once again against the guests, and so I guess that's something I can put my hat on on this terrible USC season. At least I was okay at predicting the things that were going to happen overall. So again, this is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang, joined today by Derek Deese, the former Super Bowl champion in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers, the former USC Trojans offensive lineman who was on to help preview the season. Now he's on to help wrap up the season with me. If you enjoy listening, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you find your favorite podcasts, or go right to the website Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. I'm on Twitter, at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Derek, let the people know where they can get you on social media. You can catch my Twitter at Derek underscore Deese, and my Instagram is just Derek Deese. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Lightbox. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in bluish pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. So now it's time to talk about the future of USC football, beginning with the new head coach, Lincoln Riley, hired away from the University of Oklahoma on November 28th. Got the big introduction with the press conference at the Coliseum the next day on November 29th, leaving Oklahoma after a successful five-season run there. Went 55-10 and during his time as the Sooners head coach won the Big 12 his first four seasons in charge, and went to the college football playoff three times. And the reason he was available for USC is because Oklahoma lost their rivalry game, the Bedlam game against Oklahoma State, and did not make it to the Big 12 championship game. So he was available. They turned it around really quickly. Athletic director Mike Bone and his assistant Brandon Sosna made the quick hire to bring Lincoln Riley west to Los Angeles. He was supposedly the number one target all season long for USC, according to Mike Bone. And so when you heard that news, which caught 
most of America off guard. What was your reaction to it? Oh, I was surprised. I tell you what, it was more of a shock because I didn't see him leaving OU. I didn't even think he would be in, in the conversation, to be honest with you, just because of the record that he had put up there. But then as you start thinking about what was happening with OU and where they were going to be next year, yeah, it made more of a <laughs> better sense to actually leave OU and come to USC and make an impact over here in the Pac-12 based off of the fact that you're talking about OU getting ready to go into the SEC. I'm not sure that they were going to be able to, to garner the same recruits, even with his record or not, and really just who he is as a coach. Yeah, he would have got some players, but you know, just to jump right into the SEC and, and that uncertainty of what's going on, yeah, coming to SC would be their deal, um, better venture, and he'll be able to take this program to a height that it hasn't been at for a long time. Yeah. Even if he kept up the great recruiting in the SEC, you're going against a bunch of other programs that have great recruiting. And in the Pac-12 at USC, SC is the top dog. It hasn't been in a few years, maybe, but if you can get SC going with the recruiting that he's been doing, you can turn it around and you'd be the top dog in the Pac-12 conference. A lot easier road than to fight it out with all of those other teams in the SEC. And then that just kind of led to a domino effect in the coaching carousel as Brian Kelly ends up leaving Notre Dame for LSU. His defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, gets elevated to the new head coach of Notre Dame. And then this just came out a couple days ago, Mario Cristobal leaving the University of Oregon to go back home to the University of Miami in Florida. So a lot of things have changed in this college football landscape, in this Pac-12 landscape, just starting from Lincoln Riley getting hired by USC. A couple of the other moves in the Pac-12, Kalen DeBoer is the new Washington head coach, leaving Fresno State and the former Fresno State and Cal head coach, Jeff Tedford, is returning to Fresno to become the Bulldogs head coach. And then Jake Dickert, who had a decent run as the interim head coach for Washington State, is elevated to the full-time head coach for the Cougars up in Pullman. So when you see what happened just starting with USC making that big hire for Lincoln Riley and all of these other coaching moves now, how do you think USC did when you compare it to what went on everywhere else? Well, and what you've seen so far, I think if you're going to rank them, SC definitely is number one. You have to look at it from not just from the coach that they got, but the coaches that are leaving their so-called conferences. So you have, you know, Oregon losing their coach. And so now all of a sudden we have SC bringing in a coach, gives you an advantage right there. You look at what happened with the independent with Brian Kelly. I was more shocked with that move than I was with probably any other coaches' moves just because I wasn't sure why he would up and leave that program where it was because you kind of dictate every year how you end up. <laughs> you know, you dictate how you end up with who you're playing and how you're playing and so forth. And, and he had changed it around. So to jump right into the SEC at LSU, I thought maybe that's more of a, a money move. Let's put it like that. Uh, <laughs> You know, an offer that you couldn't refuse kind of deal. And then with Oregon, with Mario returning back home, I didn't see that happening. But I mean, I guess that's if you're looking for like your dream job and things like that, then that's what you, you know, you're coaching for that. And the opportunity presents itself. Obviously, you'd have to take it. And then maybe that's just what that was with him is that he wanted to get home and 
that's his dream situation to be in until he went back. Yeah. You just you understand that. But I think, like I said, bringing in the new guy, Lincoln Riley, and what he's done and, and things that he can do, and the impact is quick. I mean, you can see it right away. And I haven't followed some of these signings at some of their schools, but I'm not sure the impact's going to be the same as what you're getting with Lincoln Riley right now. And you can see it right here in Southern California. And that's where the biggest change needed to happen. We needed to be able to keep guys at home. And I think you're seeing that. You're exactly right, which leads me right into the next thing. With early signing period on December 15th through 17th, we are recording this on Wednesday, December 8th, so a week away from the early signing period for college football. And you've already seen the returns. Oklahoma recruits to Lincoln Riley who have all now flipped to USC. Five-star guys, modern-day running back Rayleigh Brown in the 2022 class and two guys from Los Alamitos, quarterback Malachi Nelson and wide receiver slash defensive back Makai Lemon in the 2023 class. All three guys, Southern California studs, headed to Norman, Oklahoma, who make a U-turn when Riley gets hired by USC and commit to USC instead. So what are your expectations for Lincoln Riley at USC as the new head coach? The biggest thing is I'm looking for is I'm not that guy who's unrealistic about, oh yeah, come in and you got to win the Pac-12 next year. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who I want to see change evolve. And I understand it's going to take a little bit of time because of what you have there that may work for you or may not work for you. This has to be a commitment that's made to him over a few years, obviously, to, to get things in the right path. The quicker, the better, yes. But I also want to see, the biggest thing that I want to see is I want to see guys that are in Southern California not leaving Southern California. That's the biggest thing. And if he can accomplish that, I think you'll see the wins and everything else just start to fall right into place. And do you think there will be an immediate improvement, though, next season? Yeah, I think you'll get immediate improvement just because of the difference in expectation, the offense will be different. I think you're going to see guys that come in. He's going to have some guys that come in and impact, whether that's getting a couple of JC guys right away while he figures out, you know, the younger guys that he wants to bring in to get ready for his system. I think you're going to see that. I think you'll see an impact. You'll see a better season than what you saw this year, and you'll see a better group of guys playing than you did this year. The uncertainty won't be that it's already it's taken care of. You know, this is your guy. He's going to be your guy. And uh, you have that guy for, you know, some years right now. So that's not going to change. And so he's coming in and I can't see I can't see him coming in and saying, oh, yeah, last season, we're going to struggle to beat that. No, not at all. He's definitely going to beat that. And like I said, I think the, the guys, once they start buying into to his system, buying into his staff, buying into who he is and what he can do. And some of it's going to be having to show what he can do, you know, because it's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be the guys out there that are going to try him a little bit and he'll let them know like, hey, look, I'm not in that game with you. You know, you don't want to be here, bye. And that's just the way it works. And he's got, he's going to be that guy. He's a no-nonsense type of guy. And uh, I think that's going to help. He's going to be bringing in his spread offense to USC. And of course, he started out as a student assistant to Mike Leach way back when at Texas Tech. So he came up as an air raid guy, but then kind of developed his own system in East Carolina when he became the offensive coordinator there before moving on to Oklahoma as Bob Stoops' OC for two seasons before getting 
the head coaching job. And so it's not really an air raid. It's more of a spread offense. And he's going to bring his defensive coordinator from Oklahoma, Alex Grinch, with him, a guy who has experience coaching in the Pac-12, was the D.C. up at Pullman for Washington State there. And he's been kind of up and down a little bit. What do you expect to see out of the USC defense with Alex Grinch running that side? I think that's the only knock that anybody's ever said about Lincoln Riley is that, you know, his offenses are great and his defenses are just they're in the middle. And that that's not going to be accepted at USC. We see USC has expectations of all three phases of football. So, you know, I think once again, though, I think when you're talking about the amount of talent that you can pull in in Southern California, if you can pull all that talent on both sides of the ball, I think all of that kind of goes out the window. It doesn't really matter about the system. It matters about the players. It matters about them buying in. It matters about them believing in it. It matters about being put in the right situations, the right time. You know, some of the greatest coaches and guys that have been called geniuses, they could care less about, you know, the player. They think it's about the coach who can put the player in the right situation. And I think sometimes that it works both ways. The player can help the coach and the coach can help the player. Ultimately, it's about the coach knowing what he has in front of him and utilize it the best way. For next season, what would you consider good progress? A uh, certain record, <laughs> a certain division championship? Like, what is considered good progress for Lincoln Riley's first year? Well, I mean, I think good progress is based off of just the fight that you see in the team itself. And obviously, I didn't, you didn't see a lot of fight in this team. Obviously, it's going to be some statistics uh, you have to look at. Next year, I don't see them not winning you know, eight or nine games next year. I just don't see that not happening. I mean, I see them being in the fight next year, to be honest with you. If it doesn't happen, am I disappointed? No, not at all. If they're in it at the end of the season and they just don't make it by, you know, an inch or two, a yard or two, there's no problem, no issues. If you were to see, a, like I said, if, if anything could be worse than what it was this year, it's not going to, I don't see that happening with him. It just doesn't fit. So I, I think though they will be in the mix and they'll be in the talk and they'll be in the fight. They'll be in the hunt next year. So I, I just think being in it and being a part of the conversation is a successful season for him and for USC itself. And then the following year, I think, is when you really start seeing some real dynamics are going to start changing. Because once again, he starts getting his own guys and his own thing. and They have a year under his belt of understanding it. And I think that becomes a lot better. And ultimately, of course, the goal here with this hire, a big splashy name, a guy who's had success at another Blue Blood program, deciding to move out to become the new Trojans head coach. The goal is the national championship. You got to make the college football playoff and you got to bring home a national title. You think Lincoln Riley is a guy who can make USC that elite team again that's going to the playoff regularly and contending to win national championships? Oh, yeah, I think so. Without a doubt. I definitely think he can. You just got to look at what he was able to do in Oklahoma. And now look what he, he should be able to do in a location that is surrounded <laughs> by athleticism that's just been getting away from the program for years now. And normally that didn't happen. And back when you think about when like Pete Carroll was here and that wasn't happening, look what was happening with the national championship and being in the hunt every year and making the playoffs so forth and trying to figure out ways to keep USC out of it, whether that was, hey, we'll go and play a, 
their number one team in the, in the SEC and we'll beat them. And then they want to play SC at all because it knocks one of the teams out real quick. And so that became a big thing in itself. And now I think a guy like Lincoln Riley puts you right in that seat. I think you're going to be talking USC at the end of the year. You're going to be talking USC being in the playoffs and being in the hunt for the national. I think that he's the perfect fit for that. And we are all looking forward to what is in the future for USC because the present this year in 2021 was very disappointing. But Derek Deese, thank you once again for joining me on the Everything USC podcast for episode 49 of the show. And I'm going to give you the final word here. What is your final message to all the Trojan fans out there listening? Right on. Simple. I love it. So, for my guest, former USC offensive lineman and Super Bowl champion Derek Deese, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 49 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with the show for every team in LA and much, much more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, I end every show with a fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.